Welcome to Preferred Lives, everyone, the official podcast of New Hampshire Golf. I'm your host, Dave Long, and with both Matt and Scott on assignment, we're going to do things a little differently today. Matt is away at the New Hampshire Women's State Amateur Golf Championship at Breakfast Hill in Portsmouth. Well, I'm not quite sure where Scott, where Scott is, but knowing him, he's probably playing at St. Andrews or maybe Baltusrol. We'll find out about that next week. Instead, this week we're at the PGA's New England Regional Championship being played at Manchester Country Club. And during the week, we had a chance to talk to its executive director, Mike Higgins, of the New England region of the PGA, Hooksit resident and arguably the best golfer in the state, Rich Barbarian, after he finished playing his round on Wednesday, and also with Brian Kelly, who put the event together on the ground as the general manager of Manchester Country Club. Mike Higgins is up first, but... First, let me tell you that the presenting sponsor, Preferred Lies, is Golf and Ski Warehouse, where you want to go for the best selection, service, and savings. Swing by Golf and Ski Warehouse in Hudson, Greenland, and West Lebanon in New Hampshire, and in Scarborough, Maine. Learn more and get directions at GolfSkiWarehouse.com. Now, Here's Mike Higgins. All right, we're here with Mike Higgins, the executive director of the New England PGA. He, of course, is uh, involved in running this great tournament, which is being played uh, at Concord Country Club and uh, and at Manchester Country Club, where we are on the porch overlooking the first tee. And, uh, Mike, welcome to the program in your debut of Preferred Lives. But yeah. You're not your last uh, visit, I no, hope. No, I hope, I hope not. Well, thanks. First of all, thanks for allowing me to uh, to be on your, your show. I'm Honored to be here and, and excited to be here. So this is this is great. We've got our golfers are, are surrounding us here as we as we talk, getting ready to go and making the turn at, at nine and teeing off one. So this is a great setup you have here. So uh, uh, you've got about what 145, 146 players. We do, we do. Yeah, we have 100. And, uh, we had 143 uh, PGA professionals register for for this event, uh, and and not knowing how many we have, we have 850. Class A eligible PGA professionals in the New England section that could play in this this event. So we procure two two sites, and and uh, you know with 140 players, we were able to space it out over two facilities. So it's been a great pace of play. It's been uh, a strong field, and it's just been an enjoyable two days so far. So it's got its challenges, and then it's got its benefit for playing in two courses. As you just said, pace of play for one thing. I mean, you've got it, you're running basically two tournaments, and in, in, you know the players are switching. The guys who played at Concord on Monday are playing here today, and vice versa. Correct. correct. And then you cut down and you play here on, on uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. We, we we're taping down. on Tuesday, by the way. So we're cutting down to six. The low sixty in ties will advance to the final round here at, at Manchester Country Club on on Wednesday. And you know, the New England section, one of forty one sections in the in the PGA of America. And, you know, we're in the we're in the Northeast and, and you know many may not see the Northeast as a, a strong playing area or golfing area, but uh, our our section always boasts one of the largest professional fields in, in PGA section PGA championships across the country. We're one of the largest seven of the last uh, seven of the last nine years we've had actually had the largest field of any section championship in the in the country so we're, we're pretty proud of that so the uh well first of all let's talk about the challenges of running the two tournament was it what is this rare that you're using two courses or is it uh something that happens you know periodically or all the time no i think uh, you know in, in the in the early days we we had uh one one facility and then as pga memberships grew and, and sizes grew and and the you know the competitive nature of uh, our pga professionals grew uh, we needed two two golf courses, and um, 
This event serves as a qualifier for the national PJ Professional National Championship. So sections actually have the ability to run two separate events, a section championship and a qualifier. And some sections have decided to combine it like, like we do. So mm-hmm. we combine it to make it one event, which um, has attracted more more people as well. So we it, it require the size requires us to have two two facilities, which adds some some logistical challenges. But thankfully, you know, technology and the internet allows us to see what's going on over there yeah. almost instantaneously, and, and uh, scores are are live, and we're doing nine hole scores, so we know where everyone stands throughout. What's the, res- what's the response from the players? Do they like playing in two different places and then switching, or is it something that they? I mean, they're probably to each his own, but or or they prefer playing in the same place. No, I think you know. I think it's 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 certainly going to be a personal preference. I think you know if you can play one facility for for three days, I think you you get to know the, the club a little better. It's one less facility to play a practice round for logistical challenges. You know, you're not you're not moving around. You're at one place, but I. I, I don't think I can ever say that I feel that a com- complaint. I think our, our, our PJ professionals enjoy seeing the different clubs that we have in our section. We try to move this around throughout our five five states, um, and I, I do. I think our guys enjoy you know playing different different places. You know, I think um, you know I, my attitude is that uh, you know you'll hear somebody in major events, whether it's particularly in the majors, the British Open, the U.S. Open, whatever, um, or the PGA, or uh, Masters, not so much, but the course is set up in a certain way and it's unfair and this and that, and my attitude is is that everybody's playing the same course, uh, you know, there might be a little variance in the weathers if you're going out in the morning or the afternoon, but for the most part, they're all, they're all facing the same challenge, whether it's tougher or easier, so it's the same thing here. I mean, you had your opening... Uh, 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 best score yesterday was a 66 at Concord. Sure. And uh, what was it, 70 here, right? Uh, and, but now they're going to switch. So it was cool. one under in Manchester, and it's, what's Concord, seven, 70 par? par uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah Concord's yeah, part so of par 70, under. 71. But then here, they so got to come here and the switch. So they're facing the same challenge. They're just doing it different days. Sure, yeah, yeah. They're, no, for sure. And, and uh, you know, when you have two different golf Golf courses, it's 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 almost impossible to have two identical right. golf courses that are going to play the same. Isn't it's, that the beauty of golf? It is, beauty, it is. It is the beauty of golf. You know, you've got to gear your game and, and for two different two different facilities, different green complexes, different length. Concord's a shorter distance on a scorecard. Manchester's a little bit longer on the on the, on the scorecard. Concord's a little hillier, a little bit more trees. Yeah, there's some, there's some more fescue here, so yes. it's uh, it's a little different. Yeah, I think that's different. fun. And I should mention that uh, Eric Barlow is the fellow who shot 66 yesterday. He did that at Concord, and I'm going to get the other name wrong. Sul Key Park. And you got it perfect. You got it right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and they're both from the same facility. For you, and that was I was going to say. It's a great. It was a great day for Winchester Country Club sure. in Winchester, Mass, because they both play from there. Sure. So maybe they got two courses down there, so they're used to switching back and forth. Who knows? But, but anyway, um, so talk about the tournament in general. You, you said that uh, who goes on, or where do the winner? You know, where, where do you have to place to be able to go on to the national event? Yeah, sure. So this is this is our New England section championship. This is our premier event. This is our this is our sections major championship, if you will. Our PGA championship. Our U.S. Open Hour. Masters, and it's eligible. It's open to all PGA professionals in the New England section, and there's a bit of a tournament within a tournament. So our players are playing to be crowned the New England PGA section champion, but they're also trying to qualify in advance 
to the PGA Professional National Championship, which will be taking place next April in uh, which Austin, was Texas. won a couple of years ago by Rich Babarian, who is from New Hampshire, Correct. now is a assistant pro or pro at Vesper. He's a teaching pro at Vesper teaching in, in Tingsboro, yes. Tingsboro, Massachusetts. Right. So uh, based on the size of your field determines how many qualifying spots you have to advance to the mm-hmm. PGA Professional National Championship. So this year, uh, Rich is exempt because he played in the PGA, he um, was in the top 20 at the national event, which allowed him to play in the PGA Championship this year at Beth Page. Mm-hmm. So he's exempt into next year's PGA Professional National Championship. So we have 12 qualifying spots plus Rich. So 13 New England PGA Professionals will advance to Austin, Texas next year to play in the PGA Professional National Championship in April. And then from there, every well, every section will send their representatives to the National Championship. And then from there, 20 will advance next May. So the top to 20 the top twenty. And the national score go to the, the, the PGA Championship, the at, Championship. At, at Hardin Park next next May mm-hmm. in San Francisco. Um, so that so uh, how do you qualify to, first of all, how do you become a PGA uh, professional, New England PGA professional, and how do you qualify to play in this event? Sure, yeah. So uh, at, at some point we all you know, got into this game because we love to, to play the game. So the first, the first step to your road to becoming a, a Class A PGA member is taking what's called a player ability test. So there's a target score, 36 holes, and you shoot a target score, hit your, hit your target score, you register um, into the apprentice program, which now it's called the associate program. And there's three levels of schooling that you have to uh, go through. And then after the, the, the player ability test and you pass the three levels of, of schooling, um, you become a Class A member. While you're going through the process, you're called a PGA Associate Professional. And there are actually um, quite a few PGM schools, professional golf management schools, uh, throughout the country where you're going to school, you're getting a business degree, and at the same time, you're earning your requirements, your internships, your schooling to become a Class A PGA member. So you can actually attend it, uh, attend a university uh, and uh, along with your schooling, become a, a Class A PGA member. And the PGA differentiates from the USGA, the United States Golf Association, in what's the big difference for people who wouldn't know? Um, so the PGA of America is a volunteer association. Our PGA professionals um, go to, the, go to uh, school and become a Class A PGA professional. They need to keep their requirements. We, as a, as a section, will... Uh, provide continuing education and meetings for our PGA professionals to keep them sharp. They're the, they're the experts in the business in the game of, of golf. Uh, the United States Golf Association runs uh, one event that's open to professionals, which is the U.S. Open. The rest of their events are amateur, amateur events. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the, the New England PGA or the other sections in the PGA of America, most of our events are open to our club pros. PJ professionals. I, I, you know, the guys on TV. I refer to them as professional golfers, and our PJ professionals uh, are golf professionals. Okay. So the the different the different aspects of running a golf operation is where our our PJ professionals shine. And how often does someone go from the golf professionals to professional golfers? Happen uh, very often? Not, you know, I mean, not not as as much as uh, you know, uh, people would, some would hope. You know, I think a lot of the PGA professionals across the country and the world probably at one point 
you know, had the dream of being on, on TV like so most of us. The first dream generally is to try and become a professional golfer and then maybe they evolve into, into the a, latter. Into a golf professional, right. I think, yeah. I mean, I think even even myself in my high school days, you know, said, you know, I'd love to be on right. TV playing right. with Freddie Couples and Greg Norman and, and those guys when, when, I was, when I was a kid. But I quickly realized that I didn't have that game and uh, I realized I was better on this side of the golf tournament. And the, the uh, New England PGA, now you run regular, in addition to this event, this is, is this the year, would you call this the year's biggest event for you? This, this is your this version is of the major? Correct. Of the major? This is our and then you're, But you're running weekly events or like sure. every Monday events, right? Yeah, so so uh, I'd like to say us northerners here, we try to get a year's worth of golf in uh, in about nine months. Right. So we try to we try to pack them in. So the New England section, as large as we are with our geographic footprint, we actually have six chapters as well. So we have a Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Cape Cod, and Rhode Island chapter. Mm-hmm. So in addition to running our section events, we also have chapter events that are going on. Uh-huh. We have uh, an amateur series that we that we run at our at our facilities. We also have a, a foundation and a junior tour where we run over 120 junior events. And you want to talk about a condensed season? And that's we're talking really? the third week in June to the second week in right. August. Right, you got to wait for kids to get out of school. Right? Get out of school. So right. we run 120 junior events in about a nine-week time time frame. So um, we have we have over 320 events that the New England section runs in a, in a calendar year. In a can, nine months, if you can if you can believe that, yeah, that is hard to believe. Yeah, it's it's a lot of golf. So the average is three or four a day. So we have a lot of. A lot of uh, so who puts time. on the so are the chapters are putting on their events and they're kind of everybody yeah so the chapters and your chapters each have a, yeah the chapters have a full full tournament schedule um, the section has a full a full tournament schedule so I know the New Hampshire they're playing in the New Hampshire chapter they're playing like, I think it's every Monday or almost every Monday the the New Hampshire chapter is our most active chapter of all of our our six six chapters New Hampshire runs a, an event a pro am or a pro event. Uh, one basically every week. All the chapters take this week off because of the section championship. But New Hampshire chapter sells out every week, and uh, they've got a really strong, strong tournament program. When you're going around trying to decide who's going to host uh, this is your major or other premier events uh, or higher profile events, how, you, how do you pick courses? How did you decide on coming here and Concord? And what, what's the process involved? Yeah, so we... we because we are, are are made up of five states, we like to move our section championship around. And there are certainly some facilities that will reach out to us and say, we'd love to host the section championship. We'd love to host your association's major championship. And those are always uh, wonderful phone calls to get because it's mm-hmm. not as easy to get two facilities in August for three days. <laughs> you know, so they're, they're good, not good point. Not every golf course is lined. Not as hard at the end that. of October. Right. Correct. Yeah. Right. Oh, oh, May and September, we could have May, May and October. <laughs> we could have uh, our, our championship. But um, Concord and Manchester Country Club actually, um, you know, the, the head pro here at at uh, Manchester and I uh, traveled together to uh, our New England PGA Ireland Pro Am. We talked about the section championship, and he said, "You know what? I I think we would love to host it here." And he talked to his board and Brian Kelly, the, the general manager, and. Um, we've got two facilities that I, I can't think of two others that have hosted our section championship that have rolled out the red carpet as much as these two have. The membership has embraced it. They've they've lined up to volunteer. They're here um, uh, serving as spotters and, and uh, uh, really have been 
extremely accommodating and welcoming. It's it's been it's been a real real treat. Uh, how many people does it take to to operate a tournament like this? Just on one side. On, on so, in you know, terms of volunteers and in your staff. Yeah, you know, uh, behind the scenes, a lot of the work is done in the, in the weeks leading up to the event. And then here, and the setup, and then the days of the event are, are um, you know, if, if you if you do your prep work, or the, the days of the event run run smoothly. But it's it's going to take us. Uh, we've got about twenty staff to run the two the two golf courses for this for this week, and each facility has has provided us twenty volunteers. Um, a lot of times we don't have that luxury of the of the volunteers, but it'll it'll take us. You know, we have the administrative side, we have the rules officials, we have the starters, we have those in the scoring uh, component of, of, of the, the, the tournament. So this, this week we've got 10 at each facility, and then tonight after uh, the end of play, the team over at Concord will pack up the equipment, come over here, and we'll have all hands on deck tomorrow for the, for the final round. Right, when you're sister. setting up the course for uh, play, um, first of all, what's your... Um, your philosophy when you're setting up a course, what are you trying to do? And number one, and number two, how does it look different for people who are regularly playing or used to playing here, for instance, at Manchester? How does it look different playing the way these guys are playing today? Sure, yeah, you know, or does it? You know, a lot of times when when you think you know a major championship. Someone may think, okay, we're going to put we're going to put the tees so far back that their right foot's going to be in the in the rough, and we're going to tuck every single hole location and make it so hard. I, I've never had that philosophy. I don't mm-hmm. think that makes a good uh, good event. I think you can make an event challenging in, in other ways, and you know we certainly want to make sure that we have. Uh, a nice flow, a nice pace of play. We did 11-minute starting times this week, so we had some oh, space between the between the groups, and and um, we like to move the, the tees around a little bit. We we like to make our PGA professionals think and our players think, mm-hmm. and not say, okay, we're going to go to the back of every single tee. We're going to move some, some par threes around. We're going to make sure you have a different club in your hand in all the par threes. You don't want to hit a, a five iron on four par threes. Right. You know, one we're going to play a little bit back, one we're play a little bit up, and then the final round will. We'll get creative. Maybe there's there's a couple uh, holes here that our, our tournament uh, director Max Doctoroff is is thinking about getting real creative, pushing up one of the the, the par fours to a 300 yard distance to maybe create that risk reward. Right. You know, if we can get on in two, maybe make a maybe make a um, get, get drive the green, make it on one, maybe make a two. Right. On a par four, but you know you get a little bit wayward, and now you're hitting into a potential hazard where. You know, maybe just hit a four iron. See, I'm I'm talking from a spectator standpoint more than I am a playing standpoint. And uh, when I say this, but you know, the the tournaments that I most enjoy are ones what you're talking about. People have to think, or I enjoy the British Open just because the elements are so So, prominent in that, and it can be from one day, like it was on Saturday this year to Sunday, which is you know different. (laughs) But it's because they have to use every club in their bag. And when you're talking about it, but I also like, I don't mind a high score or high being under par score, a large number. But, you know, I, I like the idea of a risk-reward, right? What am I going to do here? It's, as you said, 300-yard, uh, got to go over the water. How are you going to do it? Is it worth? Is the two worth, you know, rather a than potential double? Back? Sure. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, sure. So I think, and players, guys who really have much better control of how they play their game, I would think that they'd enjoy that too. I know I would if I was 
in their shoes. Oh, sure. It's, it's, it's of course, different. I'd always go for it and wind up in the water, but that's another story. <laughs> yeah, but that one time that you actually get on the green, <laughs> exactly. it's all worth it. I'm tin cup. That's exactly what I am. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. And, you know, a lot of times, sometimes um, uh, members or, or golf professional superintendents or, or whatnot have a, a little bit of an, an ego when it comes to the golf course, and they say, you know, I don't want anyone to shoot a really low number right. in my golf right. course. Right. I actually think the opposite. I think it's a compliment, you know, when someone can play. If you set up a golf course um, to be challenging and someone plays well, I think that's a compliment to the facility. I think You're it's a bringing to out the, the best in the player. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the way I, I look at it. Yeah. You know, and and uh, Manchester and, and Concord held up this week so far in our first, the first round. I'm... I'm I'm anxious to see today. We have a lot of our our player of the year is called the the uh, New England PGA Wogan Player of the Year, and we have a lot of our player of the year uh, leaders mm-hmm. are here today at, at, at Manchester. So I'm, I'm I'm anxious to see how they they do. We've got similar conditions to to yesterday. Light light wind, perfect. The, the greens perfect are firm. conditions today. Grounds firm, and, and uh, I think we have a couple guys here that could could take it low. Yeah, as I said a little bit earlier in this segment, that I just like watching good players play courses that I know well. I know this course really well. I know it better than I know uh, Concord Country Club. I haven't played there in a few years, but um, you know, I, I, I'm I'm curious about the scores too, and uh, I'm going to wander around a little later, follow some people around, see how they play it versus how I play it. To me, that's just that's that's. You know, as I said before, that's one of the great things about golf. The, the differences in the courses and the differences in the holes and how you have to adapt. The only sport that's like it is baseball. You know, every other every other sport, every football field is 100 yards long. Every other basketball court is 93 yards, feet long, etc. Hockey, the same, almost the same thing, except the old Boston Garden. But um, in golf, every place is different. Every hole is different. The wind can change what you do in a particular, uh, you know, on the same hole. Oh, sure. Green, so, green speeds are different. Even even in this event here, the green speeds are more than likely different and yeah, conquer than they yeah, are here, exactly. at, here at Manchester. But, you know, what's, what's great about golf is you have this golf ball that is not coming at you at 100 miles an hour. There's no 260-pound uh, linebacker trying to tackle you. The ball's just there on a tee. And, and the flag's not moving. It's it's in one it's in one spot on the hole. It's not trying to avoid your golf ball, and and yet golf is still a, a challenge. And that's what I think yeah. is so so wonderful. You know, you're trying to we're all we're all aiming at the same things, and some. Uh, well, Ted Williams there. used to famously say, and I helped open his museum uh, about 20 years ago in Hernando, Florida, and he used to say, hitting a baseball is the hardest thing, and I'll agree. To a certain extent, because there's knuckleballs and there's fastballs and they're coming at you, but you can you you know you can hit it down the right field line or you can hit it down the left field line as a lefty or a righty, and you got a wide swath for it to land. You do that in golf, you're yeah, like yeah. off the property in some cases, yeah, oh right? Yeah. So uh, you know you, you can make bounds. a case that the hardest thing to consistently do is hit the ball straight or where you want to hit it. Or where you need to hit it on a golf course. I would, uh, I would agree. I would agree for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a wonderful game. Yeah. What's what's the quote? It's a, it's a good walk spoiled. Yeah. So that was John Feinstein. <laughs> yes. Kind of a get off my grass kind of a get off my lawn kind of a guy. But, yeah. But anyway, uh, so let me ask you. Let's pivot, and I want to talk to you about your job, what you do. Sure. You are, as I said, we're talking to Mike Higgins. He's the executive director of the New England uh, PGA. 
And uh, first of all, how did you get into golf, and how did you progress along to where you're in the role you're in now? Yeah, thanks. I I, uh, I had always uh, had a passion for golf. I worked as a as I started as a caddy at Worcester Country Club in, in Massachusetts, and then. Uh, I worked in the bag room at a place called Mount Pleasant, which is in Boylston, Mass, now called The Haven. Mm-hmm. And I worked in the bag room there for six years. And the New England PGA was running a... That's the ultimate bag room. The bag room. The bag room. Right. The, bag room. Right. the stories from, from the early 90s of the bag room. It's great. <laughs> I could write a book. But the uh, New England PGA was running an assistance association event at... Mount Pleasant, where I was was working, and that really was my first experience with the PGA of America and the New England PGA, and I honestly didn't know it existed at the time when I was 17 years old, and I was a sport management major at Elon University, I needed to do an internship, and I applied and did an internship with the New England PGA in 1996, and then I went back to school, graduated in 97, and came back for a I call it a glorified in- internship the next year. I didn't, uh, wasn't part of the school, but it was doing the same stuff I did the previous year. And then was hired on the end of that year as the first junior golf manager for the New England PGA. And then became a tournament manager and then a tournament director and the director of tournament operations. And then in 2011, I became the executive director of the New England section. So I, th- I think I've, I've, had, uh, I've held uh, every position <laughs> at the New England PGA on my, on my road to, to where I am now. And, so it's, it's really been my only company I've worked for. And what yeah. has surprised you about your job and your progression, and what was uh, exactly the way you thought it would be, if you know, anything? You know, what, I, what, I've, what I've really enjoyed is that each, each year that I've been with the New England PGA has been a, a different year. Now, we have the same events. We go to similar, similar golf courses, but, you know, just to see, you know, when I started, I used to carry around a fax machine to send results to, to the, you know, when we didn't have cell phones. And, and now I can run the entire tournament from my cell phone, you know. So it's, it's changed quite a bit. And, and the component, it's, it's actually amazing. It, it's absolutely amazing. Evolution. And, and, what, and what social media has done for, for the brand and to be able to, to communicate all the good that the game of golf does for, for, for people and, and the good that our PGA professionals do and, and how great players they are. So working in, you know, a, a website and, and social media that we never that we never had. We started an online university in the New England PGA for our PGA professionals to help with their continuing edu- education. Um, you know, we've done some, some, we've started a foundation that never existed for the New England PGA. We now have a, a foundation that we created in 2017. With, and what does that do? So we have three three pillars, you know, uh, one mission to improve lives through the game of golf, but our three pillars have a junior component. We have a, a military component called PGA Hope, which stands for Help Our Patriots Everywhere. And we have a, a diversity in, in, uh, uh, component. So we're really trying to improve lives. We have a wonderful program that we do at Boston Children's Hospital where we bring in PGA professionals and we bring in some hitting nets and some putting greens and we help the, the, the sick, sick children forget that they're sick for even if it's for a couple hours, you know, and, and the, the work that we're, our PGA professionals are doing with our, our nation's heroes, our military, and, and the, the therapeutic component that golf brings uh, to, these, to these veterans has, has been truly, truly absolutely amazing. And, and just to improve lives by a, a, our ability to, to provide academic scholarships for, for kids. You know, to help the, the, use golf as a way to, to help pay for their education and, and improve their lives. It's just, it's been a when I'm when I'm talking about how it's changed, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this is this is a, a whole new area that's been super exciting and and 
that's been growing. So how does someone get involved in the scholarship program? I'm assuming they have to apply, or do they do it through a club, or how do they do it? Yeah, so we have multiple multiple scholarships. We, we, we In 1985, a scholarship was created for sons, daughters, and grandchildren of, of PGA professionals. It's called the George S. Williams scholarship. So we have a scholarship component for the children of our of our PGA professionals. But now that we have our foundation, we, we created um, scholarships that are open to uh, juniors and, and co- uh, um, college students that uh, are not children of PGA professionals. We, we created um, a foundation scholarship this this year, and you can go to our, our website, newenglandpga.com or uh, New England PGA Foundation, and, and read about all of our scholarships. But we created three new scholarships this year that are open to individuals that that are attending college or about to attend college, and and just love golf, have some sort of golf golf component. All right, and two final. Qu- oh, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, no, 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 no. no we're saying, two qu- final questions. Sure. First is uh, if someone is interested in. Uh, Getting involved in golf from a career standpoint, whether uh, they're at the college level or whatever, what would advice would you give them? You know, I would. Uh, uh, the advice I'd, I'd give anyone is, is is take a look at the industry because there are so many different components, like we talked about earlier, from you know being an instructor to being a, a, a general manager to being a head golf professional to being a, a sales rep to being an administrator, like 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 myself, and and learn about learn about the industry, learn that. Um, you know, you're not playing golf every single day, but golf affords us, uh, you know, wonderful environment. I, I'm not on the 35th floor of a high-rise in downtown Boston. No, I'm talking we've, to you. we've got kind of a nice, how, uh, how good nice is this, breeze. How good is this view? <laughs> yes. How good is this view? But, uh, you know, I, I, I'd encourage them to look at our website, newenglandpga.com. There's uh, pga.org uh, with some, some information on some career paths for throughout uh, as a, uh, becoming a PGA member. But I'm not a I'm not a PGA member. I'm still still an amateur, and uh, you know I, I enjoy working with our PGA professional. I really enjoy this industry. I mean, I, I love the game of golf. I love what the game of golf uh, has, has has done certainly for my my life, and I see what it does what what the game does for for others as well. So, and I'm happy to talk to someone if someone has some questions. I've I've spoken to many college college students and children of PGA professionals and members at clubs that want to get involved and, and have questions and I'm, I'm always open to chatting with someone about and if they want to find you they can go to the website and yeah your email address is right My, there yeah, correct? M, M Higgins at PGAHQ but certainly on the website there's way to track me down alright and finally uh, we're about halfway through officially halfway through the tournament guys are still going off here uh, for their second round as they're playing at Manchester for the first time after playing in Concord uh, you conclude tomorrow after the cut down to 65 players. When it's over, when it's all said and done, uh, what do you expect to have happened, and what makes this for you? What would you feel like you hit a home run uh, for it? What will have had to happen for you to say we hit a home run? Yeah, well, you know, uh, as long or as those to be more topical, uh, a hole in one. A hole in one. <laughs> no pun. Uh, if Mother Nature stays away from these uh, potential <laughs> thunderstorms on Wednesday afternoon, that's going to be the first uh, the first sign of success. But you know, when uh, you know we're going to we're going to crown a, a great champion. You know, and I, I love I love competition. I, I hope it's it's uh, uh, a tight race coming down down the uh, the 18th hole at, at the end, and we're, we're we're certainly going to have some sort of playoff to, for those 12 qualifying spots. It's we've we've never in my history. Has it ever fallen on the number where we've not had a, had a playoff? And 
Uh, because it's in, in Texas, we're going to probably take five five alternates because the chances of, of all twelve of those being able to go <laughs> might be slim. So, you know, I'm just looking for a I'm just looking for a strong finish. I'm looking for um, you know our, 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 a tight race coming down down the finish line, and, and I'm, I'm sure it's not going to disappoint. All right, that was uh, Mike Higgins. He's the executive director of the New England PGA. Uh, Mike, thanks very yeah, much. Thank you very Strong much Strong debut show. here on, the prefer- on Preferred Lies. Well, hopefully, so I appreciate I, it. hopefully I get the invite back someday. You will, for sure. All right, that'll do it. We'll be back. Next up is our visit with Rich Berberian, but before I do that, I'll remind all that the presenting sponsor of Preferred Lies is Golf and Ski Warehouse where you want to go for the best selection, service, and savings. Swing by Golf and Ski Warehouse in Hudson, Greenland, and West Lebanon in New Hampshire, and in Scarborough, Maine. Learn more and get directions at golfskiwarehouse.com. Our second guest today is Rich Berberian Jr. of Hooksett, New Hampshire. He is the teaching pro at Vesper Country Club in Tingsboro, Mass. He competed all week here at Manchester Country Club in the New England PGA Regional. He has played in four PGA Championships to date, as well as the U.S. Open, AT&T Classic at Pebble Beach, and 10 overall PGA Tour events. And we'll talk about all that in this chat. Now here's Rich. All right, we are here with Rich Babarian. He is just off the course, has uh, birdied 18 with a mammoth drive and a great chip shot in. So, uh, Rich, welcome to the program here on Preferred Lives. And uh, appreciate you coming on. And uh, always great to finish with a birdie. Oh, yeah. Um, talk about your experience here, uh, the idea of playing on two courses. Was that uh, good, bad? No big deal? Um, yeah, it's no big deal now. I mean, I've, I've played in this tournament for a while, and it's always been at two courses. And then um, National Club Pro is always at two courses. So, you, you know, you got to get used to it. And um, I did my homework. I, I played a couple practice rounds here. I played a couple at Concord. So wasn't uh, for lack of preparation. I'll put and it that you're way. on home turf, of, uh, her yeah. home turf of sorts. It's yep. uh, your Hooksit resident, but mm-hmm. now down at Vesper at, uh, mm-hmm. in Tingsboro, Mass., the yep. teaching pro. Um, your experience. Uh, what's what's the word that you would give it? Good, bad. Uh, not surprised or what? Uh, my golf game. Yeah, if you exp- my golf if you exp- game. Your experience uh, this week. Uh, I would I would probably call it bad. I mean, um, course wise, great. Um, but my uh, my gameplay this week was was uh, you know not to where it's been the last few years, and, uh, and that's part of golf. And of um, course, you're a past winner here, yeah. and, and uh, the PGA, the national event as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about the you know when the, from week to week on this program, we talk about how golf to some degree can come and go, and uh, why is that? And two, when you're playing with you know, in an event like this, the margin of error, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a little bit off, is just uh, is so slight compared yeah. maybe to other sports. Talk about right. that. Um, and what do you do when you're grinding? Yeah, uh, and there's nothing to do. You, you just keep plugging away and keep plugging away. And um, but yeah, uh, golf is such a it's a it's a game of degrees. And you know, one day a couple degrees one direction or the other. You know, you hit the fairway, you hit the green, or you miss the fairway, you miss you miss the green. You know, so it's. It's a game where I totally expect that you know there's going to be good rounds and there's going to be bad. Um, I, I wish I wish it wasn't quite that way, but you know I, I hit some good shots today that I got bad lies and bad breaks, and I hit some bad shots where I got a you know a couple 
couple good breaks. Um, I, I would say uh, luck plays plays a big factor too in golf. Um, you know, uh, I, I've I, I think for these last three days, you know, no putts for me really fell. Um, I, I hit the same clubs I normally do on some of these holes, and I just hit a couple squirrely shots that didn't go in my favor and 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 there it is there goes the tournament so it's uh like i said it's it's golf it's such a such a small margin of error in golf and and me being a, a pretty aggressive player hitting drivers just about as as many times as possible um trying to get as many wedges in my hand can can be great some weeks and can be bad others and sometimes you hit those good shots and you land in the spot that just kicks it the wrong way. Right. You know, it's a great, it's oh, yeah. a great shot. Yep. So that's, uh, that's the difficulty of golf. Talk yep. about the course here at Manchester Country Club where the finals were. Uh, and uh, you played here on Monday and then played at Concord yesterday and you're back here. Talk about the differences between the course and, and your mindset as you uh, are adjusting when you go along. Yeah, I mean, these two courses, I've, I've been around these two courses for a long time um i I know i'm not a member at at either of them but i know i'm just probably just as well as a lot of members do and um you know they they both played great they both played uh played tough where, where they needed to and there was a you know a few holes where you needed to really hit some good shots and, and make your pars and there's a you know a good amount of holes where if you're hitting it well off the tee you can you can score and make some birdies and um greens were probably similar at both places I would say maybe maybe a touch lower here um at Manchester than than Concord but uh there, there's really not much that had to be adjusted for um uh, other than that and the um uh, you played here quite a number of times in the last couple of years they've done a lot of different things to it to lengthen it what's your thoughts about the changes to the course great Um, it's awesome I mean us as a New England PGA we never really play anything all the way back on every hole Um, you know they they don't want to they don't want to torture us too bad so um, but yeah I mean the tees, the new tees here, a lot of trees they took out here. Just to me, makes the course that much that much more enjoyable. You know, you can you can see a couple holes from a couple fairways now, whereas what I remember it before is that, you know you, you what I remember before you really couldn't see much after the first hole. You couldn't really see ten. You couldn't see um, anything once you're on two to the left there. Now you can see through everything, and you know it it, it frees up the golf course. It gives it a nice look and. Um, I'm a big fan of fescue, and I think the fescue here makes it look, um, you know, pretty spectacular. And um, let's uh, shift gears and talk about your experience. You played in a number of uh, uh, PGA Tour events. You played in, uh, what, four PGA championships? Played four PGAs, yeah. And the U.S. Open, played at some other events. Yep. Um, First, let's talk about this year at Bethpage Black. What were your thoughts about that? How do you think you did personally and what would you like to have back if there is anything you'd like to have back there? Um, and what did you think of the course? Yeah, the course was awesome. The course is probably one of my one of my new favorites. Uh, I'd never been there before this year, and um, you know, it's it's a long golf course, but it's it's totally fair. It's the same. It's it's uh, fescue left and right, uh, tree a lot, line, a lot of traps, a lot of traps, but there's no hazards. You know, which uh, to me is you don't need hazards to make a golf course hard um the course had the course has length 
It has, you know, a couple par fives. Uh, it's got everything you really need. And, and you know, like I said, to to, to be honest, it, would I like to have anything back? I, yeah, I'd love to have the whole week back to do it again. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I when I go to those things, my mindset has, you know, always been trying to make the cut. And I, I think uh, in, in the future it's got to change and i got to start you know thinking of trying to win the tournament before i worry about making cuts because i I end up not really not really putting my foot down and and trying to make birdies and trying to reach the top and and wherever that may be let it be you know that's what i would change my mindset really going into that week was to try and make a check and that's the wrong way to look at it. So when you play, when you're, you're, are, are you do you are you playing? Have you played in those events in the past different than you'd say play here in terms of you mentioned earlier? You're a real aggressive player. We right. less aggressive there no, because same or, thing, same yeah. old thing. You know, it's it's a really good golf course, and um, if I didn't hit the most drivers, uh, I I was pretty darn close to hitting the most drivers probably for that week off the tees and. You need it there. That's definitely a place you need it. Um, but it is more important to hit fairways. And for that week, it, it just uh, probably hit 50% of fairways, and that's not really good enough over there. Um, coming out of the rough at Beth Page was brutal, and it was hard to hit a ball more than 100 yards if you're in the rough. So, um, but yeah, my, my mindset's definitely a little different playing in that event than this event um, because I, I've been there before in this event i've won Mm -hmm. this event i've won the national club pro i know i know i can do it so my mindset has been go and and keep making birdies and and keep putting your foot down and and keep trying to win and then when i go out there i see guys that hit it just as far or further i see guys that hit it just as straight or straighter you know so it's more uh more uh a different feel when you walk out there you're 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 playing you're i'm at the bottom of the, the totem pole out there and like I said, my mindset changes to, all right, let's just make a check because these guys have been doing this for a long time, and I'm just trying to, I'm trying to make some money. So do you play against the players, or do you play against the course when you're in like a Like I said, yeah, like it, it changes. It changes. I, what I'd like to do is play against the course. That would be, that would be the easy way to look at it. And um, One thing when you go play, when I play here, a place that I've played a bunch of times, I know the course. I, I know how to play the course. I can play the course. But then you get out there on the big stage, you see a lot of people standing around and, and following you, and, you know, it's all of a sudden you see somebody hit a good shot, and you see them keep hitting good shots, and you got to start trying to match it, and at least, it, you know, the mindset starts changing, and you start playing against somebody that you're playing with, and it's just, like I said, the wrong way to wrong way to be playing golf. You know, you got to play to you got to play your game, whether that's hitting a, a slice off the tee, a hook off the tee, whatever you know, bump and running all chip shots or putting with uh, a certain uh, grip or anything like that. It's you, you got to learn to play your game no matter who's around you. All right, first time, well, first PGA was two, tw- 2016. 16, 16. Yeah, at Ball's Roll. At Ball's Roll. Uh, you're on your first tee, you're hitting your first shot. Mm-hmm. What uh, What is the prevailing emotion running through you? Uh, it was a lot, a lot of emotion because uh, I just won the club pro um, like a month before and I had been playing well and I, it was a great golf course for me and, you know, I, I just, it's all about that first tee shot for me. You, you, you want to get off to a good start um, and, you know, I had a lot of family out there, a lot of friends out there. It was in New Jersey, so it was relatively close, so like I said, I had... A big cheering section and um, 
you know, to get up on the first tee up there over there and, and hit one down the middle was just a huge relief. <laughs> relief being the operative word. Yeah, right. Uh, but excitement, too. I mean, oh, yeah. Excitement. Oh, yeah. Uh, and was it different this year, for instance, when you stepped up? You've been through four of them now. Or is it the same? Yeah, it's still the same. Still the same horror feeling um, where, you know, anything anything could really happen. You know, it's just the way you look at it on the first tee. It's it's a fresh start, and you, it's, it's up to you to either start well or start poor. And, um, you know, this, this year, the last few years, I wasn't the winner of the event. I'm kind of sneaking into the event. So, I, I, you know, there really isn't as much pressure, um, or at least I don't put it on myself the last few years because uh, – I've gotten to play a good number of majors now, and no matter what happens, it's 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 all good. It's even even just being there is good enough. You know, with the fellows I do this podcast with, uh, we talk about hitting off the first tee of any event. Right. And we would say, and I'm interested to hear what you have to say. I don't think there's anything like being at the tee, first tee, starting event than any other feeling in sports, whether right. it's leading off a even a World Series right. or something like that right. for some reason because all eyes are on you and it's yeah, just right. that little bit different. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. I agree. Um, and, and I'll say it, uh, probably the same, it's probably the same nerves here as it is, uh, you know, first to here as it is at Beth Page, you know, or any any other event. Um, there might be more people standing around and you, you, f- you almost feel the eyes on you, but... There's just as many eyes, it seems like, or, or you, you make up, you, you pretend that there's still people staring at you for some reason, whether you're playing uh, <laughs> uh, uh, with some buddies just for fun. It's, it's just something you got to, uh, you know, got to, got to handle. And, and luckily, luckily enough, I've played in a, a good amount of those, and it seems like I've been, I've been able to uh, control the, the nerves a little better over, over time. But they're still always there. You played at Baltus Roll, you played at Pebble Beach, you played at uh, at uh, Bethpage Back, and in other major events. Uh, do you have a favorite course, and 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 why would that be? Favorite, um, and which is the toughest that you played? The toughest is probably Quail Hollow, uh, the major. I don't know when that one was. What was that? Seventeen. 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 That was probably the toughest. That one and Bethpage were probably the toughest to me. Um, for, for multiple reasons, the, the greens over at Quail Valley, Quail Hollow, were, were incredibly firm, and I couldn't, I could barely stop a nine iron. Um, Beth Page was just an all-around perfect golf course. That's probably, probably my favorite golf course, uh, just because it was, it was how golf should be. You know, fairways, rough greens, and, and you know, it was, uh, it was, it was perfect. Pebble has the views best views around that's there's no question about that but uh condition wise it's tough to beat uh tough to beat what we had this year at uh, that page that's a you know it's funny i have played that course you know many times growing up because i'm from that area yeah. and they did a complete makeover uh from when they first when the u.s open was there mid 90s right it was because it's you know it's in a complex of five oh, right. courses owned sure. by the state, right? And you know, I, first time I'm watching it on television, I'm getting calls from friends of mine I grew up with, and going, "Boy, that doesn't look like the best yeah, days right. we played because yeah. it's like you know, two hundred thousand rounds a year." Yeah, right. But they've really changed that, turned that into mm-hmm. uh, you know a marquee course yeah. in condition from condition right. standpoint. Yeah, they've right. changed how people play. So yeah. anyway, so what's next for you from uh, going through the rest of the summer? 
Um, we're back to work. Back to work. That's that's for sure. Um, we'll get a big uh, invitational next few days, so I get a few more days off here, and then um, back to starting my clinics up again. Second second session of clinics going for the ladies. I got juniors rock until till school starts, um, and then I've got a bunch of lessons and everything. And then um, golf wise, I haven't really looked too far forward past this event. Um, I do have the PGA Cup coming up in September which uh which is a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to playing in that that's in uh that's in Texas Austin Texas where the National Club Pro is going to be um next year so I'm looking forward to playing with that playing with those guys and, and playing that golf course all right Rich Barbarian appreciate your time congratulations yeah, thank you. on the week thank and, you very uh, much he's back to the real job as yep. a teaching right. pro at Vesper Country Club in Tingsboro formerly at uh Wyndham correct correct yep okay well thanks a lot thank you In our final segment of the day, we'll visit with Brian Kelly, who as general manager of Manchester Country Club has been involved in the planning for hosting the New England PGA Regional. We'll find out what went into that effort over the last year. We'll also talk about how the course stood up to these terrific players in the regional and learn a little bit more about MCC in general. Here's Brian. Great to have you with us, and uh, how are you doing, and what's going on? Yeah, we're, we're, we're doing great. The club is very excited to be hosting the New England PGA Championship this year. Uh, it's been a year in the works, so we're, we're excited to, to showcase our club this year, and it's been, been a lot of work the past year putting it together, and we're, we're, we're happy it's finally here. And now you're at the finish line, close to the finish line anyway, two days to go. So uh, what's the feeling? Uh, excitement, uh, relief, or uh, as you're sitting here at this point right now? Pure joy and excitement. It's uh, joy. It's, I forgot that one yeah, too. It's, Good. It's a, it's a it's a great opportunity for the club uh, uh, to showcase what we have to offer. Uh, we believe we've got a great golf course. We believe we have a great club in, in general. We've got a great team, uh, great board structure, great committee structure, and this is just our chance to to show the local community about what we have to offer. And when you talk about the committee structure and the board structure, what is there? How how does from the club standpoint? Mm-hmm. How do you operate and develop this? Who does it? Is there a specific committee for this particular event, or is it in a larger committee? That yeah, we, we well we have a, your your stereotypical committee structure. So we have a golf committee uh, that we vet all of these events through, and they have to be formally approved and recommended through the committee system that ultimately gets uh, put on the table of the board, and the board has to uh, uh, either approve or deny you know whether or not we host these types of events. So having their support, uh, in which we do unanimously, uh, it makes it very fun. Um, to go after these 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 larger events, and why would you want to do this? I mean, it's in, to some extent, and this might be the wor- wrong word to use, but there's a disruption to the everyday life of what's going on, at least on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. There this abs- week. absolutely is, uh, uh, but the the payoff, in our opinion, uh, outweighs that. Um, we uh, we're a go- we're a golf club. You know, our our roots are in championship golf. We've hosted numerous championships over the years. Uh, but we remain quiet in the championship golf scene for, for a decade or two. And um, we just put together a, a long-range five-year plan in order to get to our centennial in 2023. And, and part of that celebration, we're incorporating championship golf. It's who we are. So uh, we hosted the 2017 New Hampshire Open. We obviously have the, the uh, 2019 New England PGA Championship happening as we speak. Uh, we also committed to uh, uh, hosting the New Hampshire Open again here in 2021. And then we'll be crowning our, our New Hampshire State Amateur Champion uh, at the championships here in 2023. I know Matt and the guys at uh, the NHGA are Fantastic excited about group. that as well. And uh, Matt, uh, as I say, is on assignment today. 
and it's Scott Peters is on assignment. He's probably his assignment. He's probably playing at St Andrews or something <laughs> yeah, like right. that. Matt is at the the women's uh, uh, stadium that That's is right. going on at Breakfast Hill as we speak. So, um, you know what I always like, and I, I don't know if this is the thinking on the part of you or members who brought this here, but I like seeing courses I'm real familiar yeah. with and courses I've played on. I like seeing really good players playing them just to kind of measure up. You can't do that in other sports, you know? No. Like you go to, a, for instance, you go to a Celtic game, uh, and, and I used to cover the Celtics, so, I, you know, you notice certain things, like guys who are 6'10 could do what I can do at 6 foot. That's, you know, it's, but, <laughs> yeah. but having said that, there's no real measure yeah. unless you play them and lose by 85 points. Here, you can see good players go out on a course you've played, and you see the scores come in, and you have a better idea of, number one, how they do against it, but number two, this is the part that's really interesting to me, how they play it, yeah. different than other people. Yeah, that's been, that's been exciting for us. You know, we've, we've got a gem, and we're very lucky to be a Donald Ross-designed golf club. Um, and being able to, to showcase his, his architecture, I think, is fantastic. But, but to have the best players in our New England section um, taking a rip and a test drive at, a, at our golf club is, is exciting to watch. And do you uh, interact with the players at all and get any feedback from them on the course itself? We do. It's important. We actually take uh, all that feedback very seriously. We, we incorporate a lot of those, those pieces of feedback into our long-range plan. You know, I think um, being out here and, and interacting with the players and listening to their feedback when they come off the golf course is very important for our plan. Um, so they're a valuable part of our process along with our, our management team and our board and our committees. So you mentioned uh, a second ago Donald Ross and his design, golf, famous golf architect. architect. And uh, for those who don't know, because a lot of people will say it's a Donald Ross course, a Robert Trent Jones course, etc., Jack Nicholas course. When you say Donald Ross, what are the distinctions about his courses and why are his... You know, some people might prefer to play that kind of a course. Yeah, it's what stands out. Usually, usually when you when you hear about players playing Donald Ross um, designed golf courses, they usually say the word fun and challenging. Um, those words are coming together, but you also see a lot of uh, his footprint. You know, his footprint are really his what we call ribbons of fescue in between the holes. So he gets and that. and there is a lot of ribbons of uh, there's been we a, do enhanced have a lot of ribbons. ribbons of fescue here. And, that's and, for sure. And in the last couple of years, we're going to keep enhancing that because that was his touch. You know, and um, you'll also see you know, along along the, the some of the home holes. You got one. Nine, uh, you got ten and eighteen uh, that have uh, what we call dew drop mounds, right? So they're they're mounds around the greens complexes that have fescue grass. So, not being a longer championship golf course, we're about a sixty nine hundred yard golf course from the tips. That's our line of defense: is the ribbons of fescue and those those mounds around the green complexes. So penalties for if you have errant shots, as opposed to you know for the people who like to bomb away. Maybe they can bomb away, but if it's a little bit errant, then they're in the fescue and not as many trees as there once was. That's for sure. It's no, and I, that's explain, for sure. I want to talk about the course itself, yeah. but you know, you, you you and I took a ride around here. I think it was last year or two years ago, um, and I hadn't played here in a couple of years before that, and there are a lot of differences. You know, and I mentioned today in between the uh, 18th hole and the uh, 10th hole. I was looking there. I'm going. That looks different than there's a missing tree. But you took out a lot of trees. Why did you do that? And uh, and what is the benefit to that? We did. When I started in January 2014, we were your stereotypical New England overgrown golf club. We had we had tree canopies that were encroaching the sight lines of almost all of our fairways, uh, almost 25% on, on either side. So um, we didn't have a lot of sunlight. We didn't have a lot of airflow. And so the first... Uh, 
priority uh, of bringing in a new new director of agronomy uh, was to take down some of those trees just to get two things completed, more sunlight and more airflow. Uh, our turf grass conditions were struggling, um, and in one year we saw immediate um, differences in the, in the turf grass health of, of our golf course. And so long story short, here we are five years later, we've taken, taken down over about 12,000 trees, um, <laughs> and, and we've basically revived this, the, the health of our golf course uh, from six years ago. 12,000 trees. Now, that to me sounds like... A lot of trees. It's a lot. And not, not so much in, even in terms of the golf course itself and how it changes the look of the golf course. It's just the manual labor, the hauling away, the sheer volume. That's a lot. I mean, was that the plan or did you just kind of go down and say, all right, we got to take out these, 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 these for this particular hole? Well, or? there was a method to the madness. We yeah. just didn't clear right. cut everything. Um, you know, there's selective cutting, as, as we call it, because uh, we still want to keep, you know, some of the, arc, you know, the, the oak trees around. The oak trees are beautiful, but again, recreate those sight lines. And, and, and there's also something to the sound of when you really hit one solid <laughs> and it hits the tree right in the middle, that, clink, that clunk sound. Yeah, it's something to that, too. <laughs> Um, but we, we've, we've incorporated a, a logging plan into our long-range plan. We actually generate revenue here at the club uh, in regards to some of the wood that we, we take away. Uh, one of our past presidents is um, involved with a lumber company, and so uh, our director of agronomy actually takes these trees down with his crew. They clean everything up. They, they section off the different logs by grade of wood. And then the uh, the logging company comes in over the winter times and, and takes those, and we get a check in the mail uh, a couple of weeks later. A win-win, correct? Win-win. You know, the other thing is, besides, uh, it's kind of changed the play. As you said, some of the, 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 the trees were encroaching even on shot lines, mm-hmm. changing the way you played the course. There's also the aesthetic value. I mean, I know the day we were out there, and I played subsequently since then. But um, if you're not familiar with if, if you're not familiar with the course, it kind of goes straight out that it goes out from the clubhouse south yep. and there's probably one two three layers of four holes uh, farther out but once you're on like the 16th hole which is a deceiving pain in the neck par three long yes, par yes, three is. you can't until you finally figure out what to hit in that hole I'm, you're always short but anyway <laughs> you can look back and now you see the clubhouse and you and it's it's beautiful out there where you couldn't see any of that, and you can see more throughout the whole course. And from a, I'm a golf course guy. From an aesthetic standpoint, I think that enhances it. The value, play, the uh, the uh, benefits, or the, the, the I'll use your word, joy of playing here, because yeah. you, it's just, it's prettier. It is. We, we, it's a really beautiful piece of property, and and you you couldn't see it. I mean, it was it was just dark and gloomy six years ago, and and you can actually enjoy the the, the footprint, the rolling hills. Um, and it's just a beautiful sight uh, from our 12th fairway looking across the pond and all the way back to the clubhouse and, and, and really showcasing uh, what our piece of property has to offer. Um, now you got me thinking, when people go 12, all right, 12, 11, 12, okay, now I know what you're talking about. Um, have you heard anything from the players? And you talk, we were talking about the feedback that you've gotten in conversation with players who've been playing here. Uh, what do they have to say about the course, and uh, were they surprised by anything? Yeah, and, and a lot of these these um, these competitors have played here before, and in, in, in we've even got some of the older um, competitors like Kirk Hanfeld, who's who's been around a long time, great player, still the former a former Dairyfield Country Club pro from 
Yeah. I'm not going to say how many 70s. Yeah, right. to be the 70s. You know, he yeah. just he's just played in the United States Senior Open um, this year, and and you know hearing hearing feedback from all of those guys who haven't been here in, in five plus years has been fantastic. It's nice to nice to to have them recognize it, see it, feel it, and play it, um, and it's nice to um, to be acknowledged that we're doing some some of the right things here in order to get this uh, back on the map as far as championship golf goes. And you were talking about um, all of a lot of the changes and the evolution. First of all, your company had come in and and uh, as a uh, to really do a renovation both from the physical part of the clubhouse to the golf course itself, but it all is part of that 100th year your plan leading to the 100th year and your anniversary. Yeah. Um, um but there are other things. Uh, I, I got taken on a tour and shown photographs and blueprints from the person I think, other than maybe Scott Peters and Jim Nance, who likes golf more than any person I ever met, Dave Larravee, who's a member here, and he's shown me everything. But it's interesting, you know, the, the, the idea was to take this back to when the course was built in 1923, which at first blush sounds kind of odd. Uh, just because you think of the future and evolution and all that other stuff, but it's because of it's you want to take it back to the original design, back to what Donald Ross intended. It is. We're actually lucky enough to have the original uh, hole photos from 1923, so we're able to see where some of those original bunker complexes were that were plowed over in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. And why did um, they do that? Save money. You know, the, the club was going through some financial times, and, and, and they needed to degrease some labor, and bunkers take a lot of labor to maintain, and, and that was an easy way for them um, to just hang in there. And uh, that's part of Donald Ross's signature. So our goal is to bring that back. And how we did that was we actually used a technology called ground-penetrating radar. So we brought in a company to... to, to um, use their technology and, and, and basically go back and forth in these areas where these original bunkers were that we can see proof of in these photos and get the actual original footprint of where that bunker was and we incorporated that into our restoration plan um, to be completed by 2023. So you're so in other words you're bringing back some of those bunkers we or are. are you bringing back all those bunkers? Or? The, the goal is to bring them all back. Right. Yeah. Okay. The, another thing I'd like to thank you about. <laughs> <laughs> You're um, welcome. You know, I and in in the the day I was with Dave Larry and we we're going through this stuff. He's showing me these old photos of when the course was actually being built. Yeah. And you know, it's horse teams, which were doing the plowing, which shouldn't be surprising, I guess, because it was you know right at the beginning of the dawn of the automobile and all that. But on the other side, it it. I guess I shouldn't be surprised because they built the pyramids long before <laughs> cars, right? But it's amazing if you look here that this place was built by horse and plows and things of that nature. It's, well, it's, it's interesting you really say interesting horse to and plow because as, as we've done some of this tree work, some of our uh, agronomy team have, have found um, you know, supplies from those, you know, the uh, horseshoes, you know, they've found uh, underneath <laughs> stumps of trees and um, so that we can attest to. It's pure fact. We have evidence and, and, and artifacts. How long? Do you know how long it took them to build it? We, we don't. You know, one of, one of the things that... Um, Did they build like a first nine, the first nine first and then open up? And I wonder... We, we, we are we're actually going back to the original design. We're one of the very few Donald Ross design facilities that's missing the original blueprints of the golf course. 
and there's a, a, a raw society um, uh, that's based out of Pinehurst that you know archives all of the original plans and the architecture and, and the blueprints of the golf courses and ours we believe is somewhere uh, in, in in one of our members' attics and someday it'll <laughs> it'll it'll surface but we hope to get there someday. Be like old pack of baseball cards that yeah, they exactly. find somebody exactly like right. four generations later finds it in the <laughs> house that's been in the gen- that family for four generations. Yep. Um, You know, the, um, I was going to say, in terms of uh, the course itself, what, what are the future, what are the, as you finish off the, the, uh, the, the plan for the 100th year, the, the plan to do that? Uh, oh, no, I want to, I'm going to back up. We're talking about building the course, and I asked you how long it took. How, how long does it take to build a course, a course today? Well, these days, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's ridiculously fast. You know, you talk about renovations and you got new construction work. You know, a new golf course can take up to, you know, several years depending on the funding. It all comes down to money. Right. You know, they can do right. it as quick or as long as, as they need it to depending on, you know, uh, how many contractors are involved. But, um, and the same thing with restoration. It can, it can be anywhere from nine months to a year. A, a year. Uh, but, again, very disruptive you see renovations, you know, full renovations in anywhere in the in the in the three to seven million dollar range as, as as an average, depending on what kind of infrastructure you're updating. But uh, it's a process. So, if funding, of course, that makes uh, is important. Were the roots of this course, and, and maybe you don't know, the club itself was that from the owners of the mills at the time when it was uh, this, the town was dominated by that? Yeah. So we, we actually uh, uh, going back in, in time, we, the, the members actually leased this club uh, from Manchester Associates, um, and, and the members actually ended up buying this club um, from Manchester Associates, and, and we were almost a squatter. You know, we we, right. we, we, we we didn't have the money to own this facility, so. We leased it for a long period of time, and finally the members were able to uh, purchase it and call it their own. Yeah, because I know uh, when the mills were, you know, the, the center of economic activity, they were they were building houses for people. They were trying yeah. to find, you know, uh, things for people to do. And yeah. I guess their their you know their executives they were looking for things for them to do, and maybe that's how the golf course came. And and as they found trouble in the 30s and 40s, that's probably when the economic issues. Well, it was hit interesting. The course. We. Um, we just hosted a uh, our, what we call our president's member guest, and we, we had some of our, our past presidents um, in the room having dinner uh, the week week of the event. And we were also lucky to have uh, the uh, the grandson of our first board president, uh, A. B. Jenks, um, who was our first board president back in 1923. And we actually dug up some old minutes and um, the articles of incorporation and. And, and talked about the, the, the land. And this, we found that a group of individuals from Intervale uh, uh, Country Club um, started Manchester Country Club as they were looking for a new site. We found that they purchased this uh, piece of land for $15,000 back in 1921. <laughs> yeah, there was a revolt. I think I, I know that story of Intervale. There was a revolt there, and then they came here. So anyway, um, so let's uh, shift gears and talk about Manchester Country Club today in terms of the club itself. Um, What's going on? What's what new is happening here? Yeah, we're 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 always thinking and always always um, always looking forward. We're lucky to have lucky enough to have a fantastic team that is uh, very trendy. 
Um, they're always looking to do things differently. Um, part of my job over the last five years was to develop a team in order to help us get us to the next uh, centennial, which is 2023. Um, and to be quite honest with you, the, the, the long-range plan that we have was really created by them. So we, we've created a vision, um, and all of our directors, our managers, uh, and staff members here have, have basically developed the operational plan in order to accomplish what the board has envisioned us to get to in 2023. It's got to be uh, fun from a job standpoint for you to come here, and the, the mission was to develop a five-year plan to see where this is going and get a chance to be there along the way. Talk about your job, uh, what you do, and... Um, how you got in the golf business? I do. So uh, I'm a golf professional by nature. I came up the golf side. I uh, And that's rare, right? It is rare. I uh, born in New York, raised in, in Redmond, Washington, and uh, I knew when I was a sophomore in high school that I wanted to get involved in the uh, in the golf business. But after so I knew p- I could. So you picked up a little lumber experience when that's you were right, in Redmond, right. Washington? Yeah, okay. that's right. So you pick up little things for the, for the eventual future job that's exactly that help right. you all along the way. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, uh, but knowing that I couldn't shoot 65 every single day of the week, I decided to get in the business side of golf. So uh, I w- went down to New Mexico State University in Las Cruces, New Mexico, and graduated with a marketing degree and um, started working towards my Class A PGA membership. And um, I started with a management company right out of college called Oki Golf, which is based out of uh, Bellevue, Washington. Uh, Scott Oki was... Um, Bill Gates' sidekick, and he put his fun money into about eight clubs around the Puget Sound area for fun. Um, that's how I started in the golf business. business. Nice but to have fun money for fun eight clubs to start a eight lot golf courses. Yeah, absolutely. And he probably didn't even put a dent in that. But anyway. No. Um, but then I, uh, I uh, was looking for a change and got, got hooked up with Troon Golf 15 years ago, and I started as an assistant golf professional uh, at uh, Lake Viles Golf Resort in Connecticut. Um, ended there as the head golf professional and did my, my Florida swing. I was in Florida for about six years. I was head golf professional at Colonial Country Club in Fort Myers, Florida, and then went over to the Beast in Palm Beach Gardens uh, on the east coast of Florida uh, at Ballinow's Country Club. I was a director of golf there um, and then eventually uh, took the general manager role here at Manchester Country Club in January of 2014. So Troon Golf is a management company that uh, manages golf courses, but it builds its own golf courses too, right? Yeah, they they, they absolutely do. So they they are now the uh, and still the largest golf management company in the world. They're predominantly a third party management company, so they don't necessarily own. However, they do own a handful of properties. Um, but third party management is uh, is their niche in, in in our industry. And if someone was like young Brian Kelly in tenth grade and deciding that he golf businesses for them how what would what should they do uh what advice do you have for them and what how should they get themselves started dive in you know the biggest thing for for me was just to surround myself with successful individuals and 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 learn from um from everybody and even even the challenging times i I probably learned the most with some of the most challenging gms i've ever worked for you know and they may not have been in my mind the best but uh i learned the most out of them and um so that 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 it took positives and negatives out of everybody i worked with and i developed my own leadership and management style and i'm lucky enough to be able to incorporate my own uh, leadership and management style here at mcc and finally let's talk a little bit about the membership here at manchester country club 
Um, how many members do you have? And uh, if someone is interested in becoming a member, uh, what should they do? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got about 720 total members here at, at, at Manchester Country Club. Uh, 307 of them, uh, as of today, are full golf equity members. So those are our, our owners of the club. And then we have about 100, 180, 185 social members uh, as well. And we've got other categories that fill in the, the delta there between um, that number. But um, it's a fantastic time to be a member at MCC. A lot of positive things happening and a, and a great outlook into the future. And um, Haley Matta is our, uh, uh, our, our membership coordinator. And I highly recommend anybody reach out to her uh, or contact me directly if they're interested in membership. And if people are going to become, want to become or thinking about becoming a uh, equity member, golf member. Um, what's the biggest reason people come here to join the club? Is it golf? Is it the social experience? Is it background in lumber? What? Yeah, that's a, it's, a, it's a great question. Quality of life is, is really what it comes down to. Is, is Yes, we've got a fantastic golf club here, and that's what we were founded on. Uh, we've got an unbelievable event center that we do a lot of weddings and corporate outings with. Um, but at the end of the day, it's really the social hub and business networking hub of the local Bedford uh, community. A lot of members join here to, um, to network and, and, uh, and to close business. And it's just, just who we are and, and what we do. And uh, we're lucky enough to have a great golf course uh, and a great event center uh, at the same time. All right. I'll give you the last word as we close. Uh, what what, uh, what, what uh, thing of wisdom will you impart us with as we yeah, well, right. keep keep your eye out and watch the press to, uh, to see how the, the ending of the 2019 New England PGA Championship holds for us. I'm sure it's going to be an exciting day today, uh, an exciting final round with the top 60 and ties here tomorrow. Uh, and we're looking forward to crowning our 2019 New England PGA champion here at Manchester Country Club uh, tomorrow afternoon. Okay, that's our conversation with Brian Kelly, the general manager here at Manchester Country Club. Brian, fun as always. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Dave. Appreciate it. All right, see you next time. That will do it for us today on Preferred Lies. Our thanks to Mike Higgins, Rich Barbarian, and Brian Kelly, as well as the presenting sponsor of Preferred Lies, Golf and Ski Warehouse. Where you want to go for the best selection, service, and savings, swing by Golf and Ski Warehouse in Hudson, Greenland, and West Lebanon in New Hampshire and in Scarborough, Maine. Learn more about all the great products at Golf and Ski and get directions at GolfSkiWarehouse.com. See you next week, everyone.